Listening to sermons as we go about our days, driving around or doing our work, is a perfect reminder of our Lord's promises and of His mercies. This is the mission of Upper Room Media, to make the Word of God accessible to anybody and everybody. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Being locked down had uh, its challenges um, for so many people. I know it feels like so long ago, it's been about three years since all that started. Uh, but different people experienced some like positive aspects of it for us. One of the best parts of lockdown was family game time. Um, and we had like a game that we always was sort of like a go-to. Any, any guesses? It wasn't Monopoly. It wasn't Yahtzee. It wasn't Konkan. It, it wasn't Life. It wasn't Risk. It wasn't Jenga. No, it was Hide and Seek. Yeah. Yeah, we used to love playing Hide and Seek. I remember one time... We were out, two different cars. We came home uh, separately. And whenever Moore and I were driving home, I would kind of like rush to get home quickly so that whoever was in the car with me that day, one child, we could run into the house real quick and park and like, and then, and then run in. We'd park, then run in, not the other way around. And then we would hide real quick. And um, it was, that was like half of the game was you know, more and the other two coming in and realizing that we were in the middle of a hide-and-seek game. So we were uh, playing hide-and-seek, and, um, and then it took about five minutes for them to figure out that, you know, we were hiding. Uh, and then, you know, they came around looking, and of course there's only so many places a human being my size can hide in, in that house. So uh, that day I was found earlier, uh, about 15 minutes in, and then the, uh, the other child, we looked literally everywhere. Uh, I didn't know where they were. I thought I was going to win. And, uh, but we looked everywhere, all over the house. We couldn't find them. And like, more like, what do we do? We called them out. Uh, we said, you got to come. Hurry up. Uh, we want to sleep. There was one thing that worked. We said, all right, we're having an ice cream party for you. You got to show up. You know, and uh, by the time we got through a couple of different flavors of ice cream and some toppings, uh, that child like showed up and we had a really nice uh, time eating ice cream. But, but I want you to imagine if that kid didn't believe uh, that there was going to be an ice cream party, what would they have done? They would have stayed in hiding. What if they believed like instead of ice cream, it was going to be like, they were going to show up and there was going to be Brussels sprouts, right? They probably wouldn't show up. Or if there was going to be beets, they wouldn't show up, right? Uh, If there was going to be like a steak that was cooked well done, they probably, at least in my house, they wouldn't have shown up. Imagine also that that child had... Uh, believed that finally that they were doing something that uh, they felt good about within themselves, that they had finally like won and no one could find them. They were starting to feel really, really good and they were satisfied where they were at. Now the truth is, sometimes we all feel like staying and hiding. Sometimes we don't feel very motivated or incentivized to come out from that place of hiding, we get comfortable 
where we are at and we want to stay in hiding because maybe we finally feel like we're doing something good in our life. We feel positive in our life. Maybe we don't feel very good about our life, but we're convincing ourselves that things are good. Sometimes it's just because we're tired of being seen and we need a break from being around others. Sometimes it's maybe because we don't believe that there's really an ice cream party that's waiting for us. And I want to tell you, the man in today's gospel, I think he had so many reasons to stay in hiding, to not believe his life could be any different. But when he showed up, his life was forever changed. And his words were changed, his life was changed rather by simple words that were spoken by Jesus. Your sins are forgiven you. Jesus looked at him and said, you are holy. Your sins are forgiven you. And the evidence of that holiness, the evidence that Jesus had power to forgive sins because there were people sitting around that doubted or questioned, like who is this that says or claims that they can forgive sins? Was I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. This man had so many reasons to stay where he was at, but he would have missed out if he stayed in hiding. He would have missed out on this life of holiness that Jesus offers. We read that when they could not find how to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tiling in the midst before Jesus. This man... And his friends, they finally believed. This man finally accepted that he would be taken somewhere where he would be healed. And his friends also had to believe that what they were doing was not going to be a waste of their time. But the scribes and Pharisees didn't also believe. Who is this who speaks blasphemies, they said. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And if we're honest with ourselves, sometimes we don't believe when God says to us or when he says to others, you are forgiven. You are holy. That you are saints. And so as a result, sometimes we stay in hiding. Sometimes uh, we don't believe it, so we stay where we're at. So what do we do when we don't believe it's possible for us? I want you to think about it. If you were that paralyzed man, you would have gotten sick and tired of being sick and tired. And sometimes when we're not well, we just start pretending like everything is just fine, right? We just hide behind our masks. We hide behind our, uh, our mats or our beds. We hide behind our sicknesses. We hide behind our sin. We hide and we like to stay there. But hiding doesn't fix or change anything. If I can take you back to the book of Genesis, chapter 2 and 3. There was a couple by the name of Adam and Eve that we know all too well. That when they fell as a result of their disobedience, they also tried to hide behind fig leaves. Now I want you to imagine how silly that would be. Like God shows up and says, hey Adam, where are you at? And he's trying to hide behind fig leaves, right? 
But he was satisfied being in that place, or he thought that that was going to fix everything, but hiding didn't fix anything at all. There's a couple in the book of Acts, chapter 5, by the name of Ananias and Sapphira. They wanted to pretend to be very generous. And so they hid behind this fake sense of piety, of giving up some of their possessions, but holding back the rest for themselves. But that didn't bring life to them. And then today we find the Pharisees and the scribes who pretended to be righteous and holier than thou with others in public and doubted that God couldn't actually make people holy, but Jesus criticized them for only worrying about what the outside of the cup looked like. He said, clean the inside of the cup and then the outside will be cleansed as well. So how do we pretend? Sometimes, y'all, we pretend with our rituals. We hide behind our rituals. Sometimes we pretend behind, we hide behind our public image. Or we pretend that everything is just perfectly fine in our lives. But the reality is pretending or hiding doesn't bring healing into our lives. We have to stop pretending before God. There's a real danger And we hear this from Jesus all throughout the Gospels of hypocrisy and ritualism. Hiding behind the things that we do and just doing them for an outward facing image while realizing the inside is not doing well. And eventually, every one of us realizes we can't keep hiding from ourselves. And so, you know what? (laughs) We say we're fine where we're at we're going to go to the next spot. We're going to just isolate. We're going to separate. We don't want to be around people because we get uncomfortable being uncomfortable. We're just, you know, this is who I am. This is how I am. When we realize that sometimes we think that the easiest thing to do is not to hide from ourselves, but to hide from others. And we end up going into seclusion. I want you to think about it again. This paralyzed man had every reason to stay where he was at. With all of those judgmental eyes that might have been looking at him and thinking, what did this man do that he deserved this? He could have very happily said, you know what, I'm just going to stay put where I'm at. I don't want to show up to church that day and people are going to look at me, people are going to judge me, people are going to think things about me. What did I do? I must have done something to deserve this. I'm just going to stay where I'm at. I don't want to be around people. After all, All those people are fake anyway. They've got their own stuff, right? So I'm just going to stay put where I'm at and let those people deal with their stuff. And then, you know, maybe when I get my own life in order, then I will show up. Clearly, it's not helping those people. So going there is not going to help me either. And so sometimes what happens is we go into our caves and our hiding places. Facing ourselves around others can be uncomfortable. And so sometimes we think it's easier just to go into hiding. Elijah, in 1 Kings, felt he was all alone, and so he went into hiding in a cave. The Samaritan woman, who was so concerned with all those judgmental eyes, she went into hiding, and she refused to be around anyone except... She would go to the well 
in the middle of the day when she knew no one was going to be around, none of those judgmental eyes were going to be around. And so she isolated herself and went into hiding. Thankfully, our Lord met her there. Who else? Think about Jonah trying to isolate himself, separate himself, even after God comes through and is the hero of the story and has mercy upon the people of Nineveh, he goes and isolates himself. What might people say about me? And so he goes and tries to hide under this tree out in the wilderness. Think about King Saul. King Saul disobeyed God's command and the spirit of the Lord departed from him. And this evil spirit comes over him and what happens is he becomes more and more isolated, spiraling into fear and jealousy and paranoia. And following his betrayal of Jesus, one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, also experienced a profound sense of guilt and remorse, and he isolated himself. He separated himself, and he went into a really dark place. So that doesn't work. So then what? Well, we know that hiding doesn't work, pretending doesn't work, isolating doesn't work. So maybe we just need to toil. Maybe we need to work a little bit harder at this. Psalm 127, verse 1 to 2, it says, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It's in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. See, we can toil, but that toil, if it's not allowing God to work, becomes an anxious toil. And that anxious toil will simply lead us back to this place of anxiety and isolation and back into the cave because we realize it's not cutting it. There's a futility all in putting excessive effort into building and securing your life without relying on God's guidance and his provision. We're starting a series today in the link called The Fruit of the Spirit. And, and I hope y'all will stick around and listen and do a deep study. It's going to be our series all throughout this, the, the summer season. Because so often we think that bearing fruit in our life is just about us toiling and laboring and we rely exclusively on ourselves. But if we don't learn how to realize the presence of God in our life and his work in our life, then it'll just lead back to anxious toil. We can't really do it our way or the right way on our own. John 6 verse 27, Jesus says, don't labor for the food that perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the son of man will give you. It's he who gives. The paralyzed man, he couldn't get enough physical therapy <laughs> to start walking again. He needed help from the only one who could actually help him walk, give him the power and the life of holiness. So the scripture tells us that the friends let, down, let him down with his bed through the tiling in the midst before Jesus. He was lowered down before the Lord. So pretending doesn't work, isolating doesn't work, 
Toiling doesn't work. If we want to live a life of holiness, if we want to walk spiritually in a way that brings glory to God, there's only one way to do it. We have to be lowered down in the midst of Jesus. We have to humble ourselves in the midst of Christ. We have to surrender ourselves in the midst of his body, the church. Do you think his friends took him against his will? Like I've heard people say <clears throat> the whole focus of this story is about the importance of having good friends. And let's be real. We need friends who can believe that we can live a life of holiness. That God is calling us to be saints as well, who will speak that truth to us. But I want you to be assured that that man didn't go against his will. He didn't go kicking and screaming. Because God will not bring a life of holiness, a life of restoration, against our will. We absolutely need people who will encourage us and speak truth to us and encourage and lift us up and carry us in prayer. But if we really want a life of holiness, we've got to be prepared to be lowered down before the Lord. He was tired of pretending everything was okay. The reality is that Jesus sees our true condition anyway. He stopped worrying about what others think. He wanted to be in the midst of Christ. I love this image in the book of Revelation, chapter 1, where it talks about the seven golden lampstands, which are the church, and how it says Jesus is walking around in the midst of the church. He realized he needed to be present in the midst of the people who maybe were looking at him at one point, or at least maybe that was what was in his mind. But he said, you know what? If that's where Jesus is, I want to go experience him there. He's the one who will bring a life of holiness. He realized all his toiling wasn't going to make him walk again. Because it's not by power or by might, but by the spirit of the Lord. So he was prepared to humble himself before the only one who could make him live a life of holiness. Today's Psalm, if you're paying attention, Psalm 12, verse 6, it says that the words in the midst of the purifying, uh, sorry, the words of the Lord are pure words. The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. The words of the Lord are holy. They are different. They are pure. Those words have been submerged into the fire, the purifying fire. And if we truly want to live a life of holiness, we need to have a process and a journey of purification, of humbling ourselves before God. Y'all, this is not like a, I'm going to show up to church one time and everything's going to change. The words are purified through this process of being immersed seven times, just as silver and gold. There's a process of being purified. And so if we want a life of holiness, we need to seek a life of humility, where our life becomes this ark that points to us submitting before God, not worried about, well, what might people think if I really seek out the Lord in this area? If I really walk freely from, pick up my mat, like what might people think? How am I going to deal? Do I really believe that God can do this? And I want to tell you the short answer is yes, absolutely God can give us a life of holiness. We have to be prepared to humble ourselves before him.
that man was prepared to go before the Lord and offer himself and allow his friends to, sur- to lift him up and to lower him down. In front of what must have been a really bizarre scene. I mean, I want you to imagine if you were there, like, <laughs> if you were in that place and people started ripping off tiles, you'd been like, what's wrong with these people? They're so strange. They're so like, what are they thinking, right? And that man was like, I don't care. I want to get to Christ. Friends, lower me down. Put me in the midst. Healing and forgiveness happens only by Jesus in the midst. The church, we as a body of Christ, have to be prepared to receive others in the midst, to receive the sinner, to receive the person who's in spiritual paralysis, to receive the person who's far from God, to receive the person who the world says is an unforgivable person. The church has to be prepared to receive one another in the midst. Because that's where Christ is. St. Ignatius of Antioch tells us where Jesus is, there is the church. Just as where the bishop is, the people congregate. Right In the midst of the church, that's where Christ is doing his healing work. In the midst of his people. And so his people need to be prepared first to receive healing so that they can pick up others and carry them and lower them in the midst. Be diligent, brothers and sisters, in seeking a life of holiness for yourself and for your friends. If someone is a friend and you really love them, you want to see the best for them. And so I would encourage you this morning, as we continue with the liturgy, to stand in the midst of the church, offering yourself fully before Christ. Take off the masks as you stand before him. Quit pretending he sees everything in there. He sees what no one else sees. He sees what you think everyone else might see. And he's prepared to offer you a life of holiness. He's prepared to work in your life. And I want to also encourage you as we stand and pray to lift one another up in prayer. Say, Lord, grant my wife or my husband a life of holiness. Grant my children a life of holiness. Grant the singles a life of holiness. Grant the young couples a life of holiness. Grant the widow a life of holiness. Grant the little children a life of holiness. Grant healing and work in their life. I want us to be a community that prays for one another, that truly seeks a life of holiness in our own life and the lives of others around us. All glory be to God forever. Amen. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart. And we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.